I'm Mark Kermode and I listen to the movie Bunker Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker Podcast. It's me, Matt. Hey, it's me, Chris. Hi, welcome. If you've never listened to us before, hooray! If you've listened to us before, hooray! <laughs> um, it's good to have you back on board or on board for the first time. If you're on board for the first time, let me just tell you a little bit about the Movie Bunker Podcast. We set ourselves up um, to review critically panned films to try and find the unfairly criticised, the maligned film that was residing in the bargain bin um it shouldn't be there it should be free to the world so we go through all these films and we review them for you and let you know if they do deserve their horrible rating that they got in the first instance or they were unfairly just um, we also get some guests on board to tell us about their films that they find either a guilty pleasure or weren't reviewed particularly well but they particularly enjoy this is one of those episodes isn't it chris it certainly is. Yeah, I spoke to Helen Sadler, who's one half of the Flix Watcher podcast, which is an excellent podcast to get special guests on to talk about their favourite movies on Netflix. So they've got a good podcast where they talk about good films, Matthew. What? <laughs> we so can only dream. That's what we dreamt of back in the day, two years ago. But instead, we yeah. chose a niche subject. <laughs> in retrospect, it doesn't seem that good of an idea. <laughs> Well, it's a great chat. We talk about Final Destination 5 of all of the Final Destination films. That's the one we chose, partly because it's on Netflix, which seemed to be coincide with kind of like, you know, Helen's Flix Watcher podcast. If you like what you hear in terms of the podcast, then please get involved by uh, subscribing to the podcast, writing a review and giving us a rating because it helps us climb the ladder in terms of getting to the ears of new new people and obviously jostling for space on the crowded podcast market uh, out there. And yeah, if you want to get involved in social media, just search for the Movie Bunker podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And, and you can join in the chat about these, these marvellous turkeys. I must point out, though, you know, these movies are loved by somebody somewhere. Just yeah. because they're critically panned doesn't mean anything. You know, your opinion and your, your love for the film is, is your own, and that should be celebrated, which is kind of what we're trying to do, is uh, celebrate movies, even the bad ones. After the interview, we've got a little bit of a, a special bit of news for you. A little well, bit? So. It's groundbreaking, Chris. Yeah, some great news. The game. Yeah, a game changer bit of news for us after the chat with Helen. And also, we've got our little segment thing. The, it's your turn, Matthew, to pick a, a movie. What's the what thing we do? next? What happened next? Better say it as a, as a question. <laughs> what happened next? This is a feature where instead of thinking about what the sequel might do to a movie that doesn't have one, we talk about or have an idea about what, the scene would be like directly after the film has finished. So those who've heard the podcast before will know this because they've listened. And but the explanation of the feature is a little bit more complicated than it's the feature itself. I think the title really sums it up, Chris. If we <laughs> if we really want to delve into the nuts and bolts of it, it's what happened next. So am I overdoing it with the explanation? I think maybe somewhat. Anyway, here's the interview with Helen. Enjoy. 
Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. And tonight I'm delighted to be joined by Helen Sadler from Flix Watcher podcast. Hi, Helen. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Yes, it's stopped raining for the time being. So that's a good sign. What's the movie you've decided to talk about today? My chosen film is Final Destination 5, which is the fifth and so far final film in the Final Destination trilogy. Quad, quad, what? Quad, what? <laughs> is that what it is? The fifth one, anyway, and it came. It came out back in two thousand and eleven. Two thousand was the, the the release or the release date of the first Final Destination, uh, and we've been on one hell of a roller coaster ever since with uh, some very creative deaths. But before we sort of dive into Final Destination and then its gory content, tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into movies and podcasting. So I guess I guess movies is probably my dad, who's He's always been a film fan and was responsible for letting me watch films that I was anywhere near the right age to watch when I was a lot younger. Um, so lots of quite gory films that very young children shouldn't be near. And he, he was a big, big horror fan as well. Um, so I think that's sort of where my love of horrors obviously come from. He used to collect Angoria magazine. I used to remember when that came through the post and sort of having... A look through it being part terrorized but also part fascinated by that um, so yeah definitely um, memories of going to the local video shop on Saturday afternoons and picking out unsuitable videos to watch in the evening. It's funny isn't it how times have changed I guess as a child of the 80s the exposure to sort of inappropriate cinema was kind of just the norm uh, yeah. watching all sorts of videos and, and not just most of the time uh, pirated videos as well um, which people would just hand around my dad's uh, group of friends would just share these videos and, and you just get exposed to things like uh, Robocop although it wasn't technically a horror but it was extremely gory when it came out I remember watching that when I was about eight or nine thinking this is not appropriate for me <laughs> <laughs> how did the podcast come about then yeah so Flix Watcher is a Netflix film review show so each episode we um, have two guests on and one of the guests will pick a film that's available to watch on Netflix and we'll have a discussion and we will do some scoring and I do that with Kobe and me and Kobe met because we do the Bigger Boat film quiz um, which is a London-based film quiz and um, we we both sort of join the team through Ben who Kobe knew and I was following on Twitter and so it all started then it's probably maybe about five or six years ago now and then um, one day um, Kobe sort of said oh you know I'm interested in doing a podcast and we had some conversations about what might work and Flix Watcher was born. Yeah, and you've had some fantastic guests on too. Yeah it's one of those things about podcasts I mean likewise you've had some great guests on as well but um, podcasters are very very generous with their time and um, yeah have lots to say about films and um, being able to pick a film that either you really like or you find really interesting and sort of bring it to the table and get to have a discussion with other people is is a really great thing to be able to do. So what I noticed about Flix Watcher is it's got sort of like a an almost like a late night talk radio vibe about it you can imagine everyone sat around in a dimly lit room discussing the movie with a cigarette do you know what I mean I like that picture I think you should hold that in in your mind <laughs> the reality is not quite like that I know. 
yeah. it's got a very noir it's... sense. So I think it's the music and uh, everyone's very softly spoken and it's just a very nice and friendly way to discuss the movie. And it just, everything comes across very well and interesting. And the ghosts, I say, are all very, um, you know, well-read. And that's what we always find with our guests on the show is that they make us look and sound like idiots because of their, their wealth of knowledge about movies and the films that they choose. It's got a very nice atmosphere to it. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's been really great to... Um have loads of guests on who are not necessarily maybe doing film podcasts themselves but are doing other kind of podcasts and um you know they've always said like what's well, been really nice to do a podcast but not have to talk about my subject and I can talk about something else so um, we've had that as well as well as well as um you know kind of the, the film podcast people coming on and talking about their favorite films <laughs> We had a conversation before we decided to meet up for the podcast and said, which of the Final Destination movies should we choose? Because there is, well, there is six. There's a, there's a sneaky sixth one, which came out a couple of years ago, I believe. We kind of came to agreement that five was the best one because it was on Netflix. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which was um, appropriate. So um, I sort of had a look back through them all and generally um, the consensus is that Final Destination 3 is probably the best one. Hmm. And then somewhere between that, this one and the first one, uh, then the second one, and then the final destination, which isn't the final one, is <laughs> is probably the, the worst one, the, the least creative and not the best. But interestingly, this one, when it was released in the cinema, actually came out in 3D, which is why there's some slightly strange sort of moments in there where things appear to be flying out into into your face. I see that it's been quite a while since your first consultation. What made you decide to take the leap today? A lot is going on in my life. I don't want to miss anything. When we're done, you'll have perfect vision. But you know what? My assistant's giving me an incomplete file. I'll be right back. Hold on, you're leaving? Is that supposed to be happening? <sighs> I'm assuming that watching it in a cinema in a 3D screen would actually be quite a laugh. But at home, it does it loses quite a lot of the uh, the spectacle, I think. Yeah, it doesn't quite well. I th I'm pretty sure I saw this at the cinema in 3D. And yeah, it was... I mean, I say it's fun. If, if <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's people dying in um, creative but horrific ways. But it's so bizarre and so creative and just so insane that it, it is 
which I always find that shared horror experiences at the cinema are really good fun because obviously everyone screams or jumps and looks at each other and then starts laughing. This is the first Final Destination movie that I've seen. I'm well aware of the, of the franchise and I think I probably watched a little bit of the first one when it came out or there's the famous scene, the opening sequence with the, with the airplane. What's the kind of main concept of, of Final Destination movies? Basically they all start with a situation Situation. So um, for this one, there is um, a company retreat. So there's a group of people all from work and they're all going away for some kind of team building type thing. And they, they get on a coach and they come to a bridge and there's some works going on on the bridge. So the setup is there's this situation. They're about to go into it. There's something you can get the feeling that something might happen. Like, Alarm bells are ringing, aren't they? Slightly, <laughs> yeah. You have things like um, in this one. There's a sign that says "caution construction," and there's a bit of a breeze that blows a sail on the, on a boat. So there's all these little things you know, sort of look going in your mind what could happen. Um, so anyway, and at one point, there's a central character who has a premonition but you don't know it's a premonition at this point. So in this case, the bus and uh, some of these things start to happen. So screws come loose. I think tars poured everywhere, maps get blown. So there's all these little things that happen at certain points. And all the time you're sort of thinking, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then something does happen. And in this case, the, um, the, the bridge comes apart and mayhem ensues. So there's basically... Um, loose cables flying everywhere, cars landing on people, people falling off the bridge and being impaled, ironworks slicing people, debris coming off trucks and things. Yeah. And at the point where the main character sort of gets it, you're sort of snapped back. And it's to the start of sort of the, the moment where things start to go wrong. And at that point, the, the main character sort of goes, this isn't right, get off the bus, get off the plane, get off the Tractor. road, <laughs> yeah, get off the roller coaster, which is Final Destination 3. And basically a selection of people choose to follow the person um, off. And moments later, the, the accident actually happens. So that's kind of the setup for all of them. And then they sort of realise, don't quite know how they realise this, it's quite a big stretch. They're sort of helped along by Tony Todd in, in a few of the films, but basically yeah. that death is not happy and they should have died in this accident and death is not happy. They've cheated death and is going to pick them off one by one in a variety of even more creative ways to die. And then the rest of the film is just them trying to work out who's next and whether they can escape it or they can change the order. And they're all pretty much like that. And so yeah. I guess Tony Todd being the savant character who kind of helps any newcomers to the franchise along the journey, I guess. When I, it's funny, when I first started watching the, the movie itself and the bridge sequence happens at the very beginning, I actually forgot the concept of the movie. So I was thinking, oh, this is, this is bold. They're killing off quite a lot of the main characters. <laughs> and then I realized, oh yes, Yes, this is the concept, and I've completely forgot. It's never really explained, is it, that why the premonition happens in the first place? Why are they the chosen ones? You know, why are they allowed to see uh, the, the future instead of you know the person sat next to them? I have no idea. I don't think they're that deep. I don't think no. they've really they've really <laughs> thought about this. I mean, I guess you you 
you probably had a situation where you've sort of had a bad, bad feeling about something and mm. decided not to do it. Like maybe you've gone, oh, I'm going to go out the house without an umbrella. And then you sort of take a look at the sky and go, oh, <laughs> actually, I'll, I'll go back in and get that. Or you decide not to get on a certain bus because you know it's going to be. So there's sort of certain things like that. I think that just takes the films just take it one step further, had this massive premonition that people are going to die in very horrible ways. Effects-wise, with the, the killings and the special effects that you use in how people die in these very extravagant ways, there's, there's clearly quite a lot of attention to detail and love and money spent on that aspect of it because the casting wouldn't necessarily be something you would, would go to see the movie for. So casting this movie, for instance, is, there's a, there are a lot of unknown actors. I mean, Emma Bell is the only one that I recognise who plays Molly, who's the, the love interest of the main character. And she's been in, the she was in the first series of The Walking Dead, but Tony Todd, who's a bit of a, a horror guru, I guess. Or um... Um, The guy who plays Dennis was in Anchorman. Oh, yes, yes. The first two had Ali Larter in, who's probably kind of the biggest star of um, the, all of them. And then the third one had Mary Elizabeth Winstead. But in terms of star power, yeah, you don't come to these films for watching anyone particularly famous in it. They are spectacularly gory. So you have premonition deaths, but then when death finally catches up with them, we've got some really bizarre and crazy deaths. Like the, for the, the build-up for sort of the first death, which is in, <laughs> in a gym, is is brilliant. I hadn't I'd sort of forgotten the way they die properly. And watching that again, it's brilliant because I know from watching the series that, that something is going to happen and there's all kinds of loose screws there's uh, water on electric cables there's um, a nail on sort of it's it's in a in a gymnastics hall they're doing some gymnastics so there's a a nail on one of the beams that potentially someone could stand so there's all these really tense like oh yeah yeah. and the sort of the end payoff um which i'm calling the gym splat is (laughs) is is quite shocking bizarre and weird and unexpected i think for me knowing that how the the films work the way that the the camera tricks you and and the editing tricks you into thinking you know how it's going to happen or you you know it's it's very clever and it's a health and safety nightmare i mean i don't know there's any health and safety people involved in terms of the school or the gym but it's shocking really what's happening there um, no maintenance at all in that gym. The final splat, the gym splat, was a complete shocker <laughs> for me. The the one I found really interesting as well was the the poor lady who has eye surgery. It's, it's something spilled on the computer, isn't it? And then the, the laser gets turned up to 11. So she's basically gone in for, she's having laser eye surgery. Um, and she, I think she knocks over a picture um, with her on it and the glass breaks and it's over her eye. So you can kind oh. of you kind of get the idea that something is going to happen yeah, to yeah. her eye. Um, but yes, so she's in terrifying is kind of screwed down and she's got the, the clockwork orange eye openers on the, the laser is burning into her eye and you just wondering how, how more horrific can it get to this? And then intervention happens and you think, Oh, she's safe. And then teddy bears eye or something I think is on the floor. And um, yeah, she, she ends up quite spectacularly out of the window and and hit by a car is that, that yes one? i think for good measure she's um she's run over again it's like one of those uh warner brothers cartoons when the, when, when the when the coyote is then you know 
thrown off the cliff and then hit by a rock and then hit by a marching band or whatever it goes just to confirm that he's well and truly done for the deaths are so extravagant and um well choreographed all throughout the series there's been so many kind of head splats or pulverizing that i've seen so it's it is kind of a thing that you could you could even sort of come up with some kind of drinking game for it where you know when if someone's head is splattered then that's kind <laughs> of like you have to sort of have a a shot of everything is, is yeah, the yeah. Um, the one that's the crescendo impalements you know it's like one two fingers worth of drink and you know eyes being gouged out would be like a, a full gulp head splatter down the lot sounds like a good game you should write that down and do it at your next christmas party <laughs> towards the end of the movie obviously everything plays out as it should but with this twist kind of macguffin type thing that they introduced i don't know if it you all know more than I, so you'll be able to tell me. This thing where the, if you kill somebody else, then they take your spot in the death chain. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that this uh, was an, sort of the, the new concept for this film and can't remember that being a thing in the previous ones. I mean, there's all kinds of different things sort of going on where about skipping a death and who it goes to next or reversing the order. So they've done things like that, but this is the first one where they've got this idea that you can basically push someone in the way and, and get their life. So that, that adds a little bit more excitement because you're like, what well, does that mean they, they survive? Because death will not be uh, very happy with that, as we've, we've learned. We're allowed to spoil. I mean, we've already, you sort of come to the end, and um, it's quite a brilliant ending, which if you've seen the first Final Destination, we obviously have Molly, Molly and Sam, isn't it? So mm. I'm trying to remember. So Molly, she, she doesn't die. So this is, this is the thing now I'm just remembering. She doesn't die in the original premonition. Uh, yeah. So this is the thing why she's sort of, she's kind of escaped and she's sort of special. Who is it who tries to steal her life? Yeah, the second to the last chap, who, the, the best friend or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. so Peter tries to steal her life, but he doesn't succeed. But we do have someone who does manage to accidentally claim life, which we then find out that life isn't going to last very long because they had cancer and we're only going to live a few weeks. We sort of have a few seconds for that to sink in before he's he's hit by like a jet engine. From well, yeah, this is <laughs> this is the brilliant bit of it. I mean, this for me sold the franchise to me. I might actually have to go back and watch a few more because the way that's set up is quite is is very clever. That the, 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 the two survivors get on the plane, and the plane is the plane from the first movie. Yeah, and it's um, yeah. So you see all the the commotion happening of the the first person, the first character in that first movie having the premonition and being taken off the plane. And then the plane obviously subsequently explodes and you have the horrible, hideous death scenes of a plane crash, which is, I don't know. I mean, every time I see anything, you know, featuring an air crash or anything like that, it just sends shit, shudders down my spine. I, I, I hate flying at the best of times. So this just <laughs> did it for me. And yeah, so basically the, the, the girl, uh, Molly, who, who survived and, and actually didn't have a death tag, died anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so you can't cheat death. The jet engine, as you say, that from that air crash is the one that, that kills the, the guy who uh, thought he got away with it <laughs> in the pub. Yep. <laughs> yep. Who's at the funeral of the guy of the life the wake, he's, yeah, he's yeah. taken. Yeah. Yeah, what a great concept uh, and a good execution of that as well, because it's just the, the blank look on his face when he goes, oh, yeah, he had terminal cancer. And then, oh, right. Oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Yeah, because um, he he was supposed to be impaled on a bit of uh, machinery, wasn't he? Because he was like a foreman in a in a on a factory or some sort of workshop somewhere, and some poor guy got got it in the neck, literally instead of literally, him. Literally, yeah. <laughs> Where do you think um, this fra- this franchise will go? There doesn't seem to be any murmurings of any more films, but you can never you can never say never with this kind of franchise. I'm not sure whether the kind of box office had anything to do with them stopping it. There's there's so much possibility. I think it would be sad if we don't have another Final Destination or horror does tend to like to remake horror mm. so whether or not there um, is someone out there who who might remake one of the other ones there's always that kind of possibility they're just so much fun they're so silly it almost becomes a little bit of a, a game of trying to guess how how they're going to meet the end and i think it really would be a shame if there, there weren't any more as long as they they keep that overall concept of the theme of it being light light if you like what i mean um and don't make it a dark and and true gore horror and that would be the best thing because what attracts what's attractive about this franchise is the silliness of it as you say have you seen um happy death day i haven't so, um, funny you should mention that though we've um we've got a flix watcher recording coming up in a couple of weeks and someone has picked that one so uh, i will be watching it in the next week or so i think this is kind of where the almost like the mantle's been passed because the concepts of that movie and and happy death day to you are very similar it's like a groundhog day horror film where she she wakes up every day and she's when she dies and she gets killed often um, she comes back to relive the day and has to find the killer. Uh, and so a lot of the creative deaths are re kind of reproduced in, in that in that movie. And I think it's kind of like a very similar genre, if you like, that that kind of repeat and die and die and repeat uh, as differently as possible. And I, I think it's a natural successor to that franchise and potentially has got a lot more legs. Okay, excellent. Well, um, I say it's on my immediate watch list. So um... you're going to get your final destination fix. At the end of this one, which when I remember watching it the first time, it did kind of sign that this was the end, is that um, you get a lovely montage at the end over the credits of some of the previous films and those kind of moments. So it's, it's, it's almost like looking back through a book of memories and going, oh, I remember that <laughs> impalement and that head splat. And oh, yeah, yeah that, that roller coaster was very terrifying and, yeah. and things like that. So there is that at the end of it which is maybe a sign that it might not be resurrected but we never know yeah it's like i guess it's like looking through a catalog of of uh, gruesome deaths and at least you know you've got them cataloged so that you, the producers and the movie makers will know that they've they've already done that so you could imagine someone you know oh, i think we should do like a hot oil uh death no done that that's number two or you know i've read impaled through the eye uh, no that's sev- several several times in every each movie to be honest we need to think of some other creative way at least they've got all these kind of montages of clips and and uh, and deaths that they can always refer back to and anybody else that wants to think of a creative way to die on screen can literally just go and watch six final destination movies and, and then you know try and scrabble and find a new death sequence for their movie um, because i think they've probably done everything you know, I don't know if they've done death by spoon, but I mean, I guess have they? I don't know. Um, I'm just trying to think now. Um, I'm not sure. Right. I can't remember. But it would be one of those things, wouldn't it? You'd want to be in the meeting where they all sat down and went. So then, how's this person going to die? Oh, they're going to 
be sucked into a fan or something. No, 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 no. Let's not involve the fan. Let's make it so that when they land, their shins go through their ribs and their elbows go through their ears and, and things like that. So, you know, Helen, this is dark. anything goes. <laughs> oh God, your it mind happens. is dark, Helen. It's not a bunker movie. And we always say this to our guests that come on the show, uh, on the podcast rather, that um, their choice of film is it gets a free pass into the open world because the bunker is a place where these critically panned movies or frowned upon movies uh, go to, to live out their days. Uh, and we're here to try and um, let them loose so that there's, if there's something good about them, that they can go out into the general, general world uh, and be, and be viewed and enjoyed. But um, the guests obviously get a free pass. So the movie's out there and, they, and so they should be. They're, they're very, they're very good fun. And you wouldn't want to take those kind of slapstick horrors away from people because they're, they're what bring people together in these dark times. I think so. <laughs> you've got to have some cheery deaths to keep you going. And I'm, I'm quite sort of proud that you you may go back and watch the series in order and enjoy. Okay. That might be a bit of a stretch. I might watch a couple. I didn't know. Do I have to commit myself? What I do well, is they're, I'll... Quite, they're quite sure. I think that this one is, um, if, if you've ever listened to Flix Watcher, then you will know that I'm quite hot on run times and this is ah. only a one hour and 31 minutes. So they're quite short. Perfect I don't think timing. they're particularly long. Yeah. The perfect time for a film. Helen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can we find you on social media? So, well, you can you can find Flix Watcher um, pretty much any, anywhere you find your um, podcast, but you can follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter. And um, if you do that, when we um, review the films, we'll always do a little tweet and we'll ask for your reviews as well. So do follow us on Twitter. And if you happen to have seen the film that we're going to be reviewing, do send in your own little tweet and we'll, we'll read them out but um yeah twitter's probably the best place and then to find the podcast we're on all pod platforms well thanks again for sharing this blood fest with us today <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> cheers bye if we were to draw a graph of my process of my method something like this so ian so ian so ian action wizard you shall not pass cut so ian so ian so ian nice chat chris yeah, as always, fantastic chat. Um, <laughs> oh, ooh, big Ed. <laughs> fantastic, yeah, I'll have to say. Um, but yeah, again, it's one of those things with these sort of not guilty pleasures, but um, films that just make you happy, uh, even if they do involve multiple capitations. So the, the news, our news, our, our um, exciting oh, yes. news. So yeah, we're going to... groundbreaking, changing news, that one. We're going on the road. We're going live. The Movie Bunker podcast is doing a live show. Uh, and on the road, we're going like 10 minutes of houses. Yeah, this is fantastic for us because the, the, the live show will be in our hometown of Southampton. Woo-hoo! Um, so yeah, tickets are available. However, this is free entry for anyone who wants to come and see us at our slot. So we're playing... We're playing as if I was... I'm just doing as if I'm the band... What do you do? You play or what do you do? Uh, We're broadcasting. Yeah, broadcasting. We're broadcasting on the 8th of March in Southampton at a bar called The Social. Uh, We'll tweet some links and some Facebook. Do you want to say what the uh, the event's called, Chris? (laughs) The event is called Superpod 2020. It's a charity podcast festival, which we're really excited about doing it. Obviously, we've never done anything like this before. It's a a real first for us in terms of the podcast. Who knows what's going to happen? Sports relief, right? 
Yes, it's a sports relief, and we are going to pick a sports movie, maybe a few, uh, see what happens. We, we've not decided on the content of the show yet, but we'll do our best to make it as cool and interesting as possible. You We're can determined listen... not to wing it this time, aren't we, Chris? It's not going to be... <laughs> Because we can't sort this out in the edit, can we? <laughs> no, no, there's no winging it. We're going to have to have possibly a script of some sort or something Whoa. written down. Some, um, I, think, I think we go as far as some things written down. A script, a film would hamper my creative juices to such an extent that I might actually implode. Yeah, but we're on from 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, on Sunday, the 8th of March. So come on down, it's free entry. Show your support, get involved in the show, make a lot of noise, heckle. Uh, there'll be some prizes and some bits and pieces a bit of fun and uh, be great to see you there in the flesh superpod 2020 raising money for sport relief two days of great comedy and sporting podcasts saturday 7th and sunday 8th of march at the social in southampton and you can be there too free entry until 7 p.m and then ticket only from 7 p.m tickets available now at superpod.co.uk if you can't be in southampton the whole event will be streamed live online on your smart speaker and on facebook live Find Superpod UK on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and use the hashtag Superpod2020. For more information, visit superpod.co.uk. Matthew makes up yet another jingle. This one sounds roughly the same as the last because it's in the same tune in my head. <laughs> you didn't do that on the last episode either so we that's because have... it is yours i don't care oh and i i bailed out the... right, okay so yeah <laughs> your your turn to pick a film and decide what happens next you've had all of what half an hour to think of a film so <laughs> what, how have you done um i've i've got a film excellent oh that's like one out of the two things right yeah <laughs> so the film mad max fury road right so oh it is good, right? It's good. Golly good, yeah. It's a fantastic uh, ride. I saw it at the cinema and was absolutely spitting dust at the end of it. You can, you, can, <laughs> you could almost taste the dust. That's because they really wonderfully used throughout the whole film as many actual physical effects as possible. Yeah, there's like very few things in that film which is CGI'd. So it just, it just, it just adds to the sort of visceral kinetic energy of the film. Mm. just come smashing through and imagine like on an IMAX or something it would just been absolutely breathtaking yeah so that's set the up, film set up the ending then so set up, for anyone that's either not seen the film goes without saying there are spoilers ahead so at the very end the kind of like oasis island that the the bag they go back to Immortan Joe's uh, I don't know it's layer but it's, it's definitely like a it's the, it's the sort of four pillars and it's got water and it's an oasis there's lots of people there but you sort of ruled over it with a with an iron fist um little fact i didn't know is that the guy that plays immortan joe was actually also the guy that kills mad max's family in the first film it's the same mm. actor yeah 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 but is, is it actually meant to be the same person later on in life i don't know i don't think that's revealed him. but yeah it's it's definitely the same yeah same actor same director same actor i found that out today i was, in, I was like oh that's good anyway cool. so they go back crowds are there the weird kind of white dudes and uh like white you know white painted out dudes are mm-hmm. there and and the the, the 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 platform starts lowering down and they're, they're driving up in in Joe's uh 
massive vehicle monster truck thing and then they kind of shout reveal yourself so the mad max comes out and and pulls off the cover of this thing that's on the front of the car and it's it's emil tanjo clearly dead and then the the crowd start chanting like let them up and also like uh, furiosa and the the brides Mm. um kind of come out and you know they they start chanting furiosa's name and they get on the platform because they, they actually finally drive on let them up and they start going up and as they're going up they open the taps all the water comes out everyone's cheering and having a, a wonderful old time and max is looking at the back of furiosa who's seen better days she's a bit diffed up but at some point she looks round to see where max is and he's gone he's no longer on the platform I'm not entirely sure how he gets off the platform because it is quite high in the air. But then she looks down into the crowd and sees sees him there in the crowd, mm. like oh there, there, there he is. And he looks back and like does this almost imperceptible nod, and she almost equally imperceptibly nods back. End credits. Mm-hmm. That fundamentally is the end of the film. Great ending. It's a great ending, right? It's like oh. A little bit ambiguous, what happens next? Now we find out because I'm going to tell you what happens next, in my mind anyway, at least. So as they, the platform rises, Fiosa obviously um, at top of the platform is like a little bit sad. Mad Max is gone, he's left. And then she's just kind of milling around. Then there's Mad Max there. And she was like, oh, and he, apparently he just needed to answer a call of nature because... Why the hell would he leave this particular situation? Exactly. Um, outside of this water-based oasis, full of some of the most attractive women <laughs> you've ever seen in your life, now revered as gods these people are, why would, you, why would you leave that? And she's like laughing, going, well, I thought you imperceptibly nodded at me. And he was like, no, I was just, saying like i'm nopping off to the toilet for a bit <laughs> and he said did you imperceptibly nod back to me as well and she's like well yeah because i thought you imperceptibly nodded back to me it's like no i just went for a toilet why would i leave this who would be that insane and she's like well no now you say it out loud it makes sense i don't see why anyone would think that you would have left this wonderful oasis full of beautiful women and and me clearly there's uh some sort of hint of of some sort of romantic connection because they have a kindred spirit. They are, you know, they 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 have this yeah. this this relationship now. I think kind of a 